Alrighty, folks, let's go ahead and get started. Man, everybody's chatty today. So good to see you. That cold weather waking us up. Man, I can relate with jazz. Like, oh, you know, you're so cozy in bed. I don't know. I told my wife this morning, we can never move uh, up north. Like, we would never, we would never make it. Like, our... Our blood is just too thin. Hey, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to be here this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, you can turn to page 66 in your devotional. If you don't have a devotional, you can grab one at the back. That's our free gift to you. Or you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 in your, in your Bible. We're going to study uh, God's Word. And we're going to look at a passage uh, known as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter uh, 6. So we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is one of those subjects that... You know, who feels like they pray too much, right? It's always a, a, a message to like, oh, you know, it's easy to, to kind of get lost in because we all approach prayer like with different experiences. You know, there's some of us who are very comfortable with prayer and then there's some of us who are like, oh, like, you know, I don't want to do it wrong or I don't want to say things wrong or I don't, I don't, I don't think about it or, or we just, you know, it's just those like last desperate prayers like you know it's not even on our radar at all and then like dear lord jesus please help me right which is fine that's just like that's our exposure with prayer and then there's some of us who are like i love prayer right you just like maybe you had a family member or a friend who was what you know a prayer warrior you know you know some people like that in your life and you've seen the lord answer prayers in your life and so you just when when things happen in life big or small i mean you're filtering all of life through prayer, right? So just, just knowledge on the uh, front end, like we're all approaching this subject from a different perspective. I know for me, I didn't grow up around church. I, I didn't grow up around prayer. I, I, I came to faith in Jesus when I was 18 years old. And for whatever reason, like I just fell in love with prayer. I just, maybe I was neglected as a kid, but I was just like in awe of the fact that God would want to listen to me. And so, I mean, just chatty Kathy. I would just, like, big prayers, small prayers, silent prayers, like, group prayers, individual prayers, writing prayers, walking prayers. I mean, I was just, I was just, I, I love the idea of prayer, but that's my background. And so just, I want to acknowledge on the front end that we're all coming from a different perspective. And so with that in mind, just asking us to say a short prayer right now, right, that each of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, that we would pray in our hearts that Jesus, would you help us grow in prayer? And that's the idea. I mean, what a great passage. Jesus is teaching us about prayer. And so let's ask individually for him to grow us, to deepen us, to expand our hearts, our minds in prayer. And so with that in mind, I just, I wanted to kind of read the whole of it, of of the prayer, and then we're going to go verse by verse through the prayer. So I'll read you follow along Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13. Jesus says, "Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts." as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in this prayer, we see five key 
elements, right? Adoration, submission, trust, confession, and protection. You can write those down in your devotional. You can write it on the margins of your, of your Bible. Adoration, submission, trust, confession, protection. Don't worry if you didn't get them all. We're going to go through each one and, and talk about it now. So you, we don't have to pray these exact words, right? But we do want to have these elements in our prayers, right? That's the idea. So let's look at the first one, adoration. We'll look at verse 9. I'll read and follow along. Jesus says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So in verses 1 to 8, right, we're in Matthew chapter 6, we're starting in verse 9. In verses 1 to 8, this is last Sunday, uh, Jesus says, look, you don't need to use flowery words when you pray. You don't, you don't have to sound religious when you pray. You don't have to use repetitive words, you know, when you pray. Why? Because by grace, through faith in Jesus, you've been ushered into his kingdom. You don't have to jump up and down to get his attention with our words. We already have his attention in Christ. And so then he goes, he said, let me teach you about prayer, right? That we're simply talking to our heavenly Father. That's what prayer is. It's talking. It's a conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's communing with our Heavenly Father. And so he starts off, and Jesus teaches us about prayer with the word our. The word our reminds us that our prayers are not individualistic. Our relationship with God isn't one-on-one. Through faith in Jesus... Right? We have been united with the body of Christ. That's the hour. Right? We're praying with followers of Jesus. Every time we pray, short prayers, long prayers, silent prayers, like we're, we're praying. That's what 1 Corinthians taught us. It's, it's many members but one body. And so this is important. He says, our Heavenly Father. It's, it's communal. Like when we're going through challenges in life, It's not just us and Jesus. Do you ever hear people, just me and Jesus? No, no. It's you and Jesus and the body of Christ, right, going through those challenges of the day. Isn't that good? In addition, Jesus teaches us that our prayers are not only communal, but also personal. Because through faith in Jesus, we're able to address God as our heavenly father right our heavenly father we're no longer just looking up into the sky saying i think god is like this well i think god is like that right that's called speculation but through faith in jesus we've received divine revelation so that we when we pray we get to refer to god in a personal way as our father Praise God, we have access to our Heavenly Father through faith in Jesus. Now, last Sunday, Jazz, our worship leader, said sometimes that can be uncomfortable, thinking about our Heavenly Father, right? I resonated with that as well. Like sometimes, like if we didn't have a great relationship with our earthly father, then maybe that kind of shapes how we see our Heavenly Father. Right, I, my parents divorced when I was three. My father was a uh, an alcoholic, and so we didn't have the closest relationship. 
But when Jesus introduces our Heavenly Father, like it is unlike any earthly father that we can imagine. Right? Even if you had a great relationship with your earthly father, he's teaching us that our Heavenly Father is completely different. I mean, first, our Heavenly Father is heavenly, right? That's what he says in verse 9. He's, he's our Heavenly Father. He's eternal. He's perfect. Our Heavenly Father is powerful. Right? In Genesis 1 and 2, our Heavenly Father made us in his image. He made us, all of humanity, he made us to be in relationship with himself. Perfect relationship for eternity. But in Genesis 3, right, that relationship with our Heavenly Father is fractured so that there's a separation. Right? Do you know Genesis 3? It's where sin is introduced into humanity. And in Genesis chapter 3, it's as though all of humanity has run away from home. Like that we've run away from our heavenly Father, right? And the gospel is that Jesus has provided a way for us to come home. Does that make sense? That our heavenly Father has chased after us. That's why he's unlike any earthly father, right? That he's created us to be with him. We've run away from home, and he chases after us through faith in Jesus. And so Jesus is reminding us early on in prayer, we bow our heads, is our heavenly Father. And then he says, hallowed be your name. Right? That word hallowed means holy. Right? That our heavenly Father is holy. Right? That, like he's, he's unlike any other thing we could imagine. He, his name is holy. Like that's his eye. It's not that Jesus is ascribing holiness to the Father. Like that's his identity. That's his essence. Like his name is holy. Right now, our church family, uh, we have uh, this group called Theological Training, and, and we read through different books uh, throughout the year. And the book we're reading right now is called The Holiness of God. Right. So that's what the whole book is about, is just about that he's holy. Right? And our culture right now, the author makes this, this observation that, that our culture right now can really push this idea that God is loving, he's gracious, he's merciful. You hear that about God a lot, right? And he is. He is all those characteristics. The author is making the point in this book, but he's also holy, like frighteningly holy, like knees shaking, like fall to your face, like a dead man, like holy. Like that's, that's what he, like hallowed be his name. Like it's possible that in your relationship with God, you might feel like he's distant or you might not, like, like that is absolutely a characteristic of God we want to bring into our relationship, especially in prayer is remembering. Like we're bowing our heads, remembering. He's holy. That's our first characteristic, our, our, our element in prayer, is that there's adoration. Let's look at verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our first element of prayer is adoration. He's holy. Our second element is submission. Do you see that in verse 10? His kingdom come, his will be done, All right, which which means our 
kingdom isn't coming. Right? <laughs> that our will isn't being done. Right? That's, he's teaching us in prayer. Right? Submission, that we're submitting ourselves to his will in his kingdom. Right? Because as soon as we enter into this world, like as little babies, like we're wanting our will and our kingdom to be done. Right? That's the reason they're crying. Babies are crying, screaming in terror. Why? Because their will is not being done. They're angry about it. Right? They're wet. They're cold. They're hungry. Just like, wah. Well, like that continues throughout all of life. I mean, think about it. every time you're frustrated with somebody, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're, 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 you're angry. You're, why? Why are we depressed? Why are we anxious? Why are we angry? Right? Because people aren't doing what we want them to do. Right? Right? We're just like, ah, oh, why don't you, why don't you do what I said? So Jesus is teaching us in prayer. Oh. This isn't just like rattle off like, dear Jesus, oh, help me out. Like, there's an element of prayer that like, not my will, but your will. It's submission. I get it. I know submission is not a popular word today. All right? It's not a it's not a word we like to like roll off our tongues like submission. Uh, but you have to remember like Jesus isn't teaching us to submit ourselves to a cruel dictator. Right? That's not the submission Jesus has in mind. Right? We're not submitting ourselves to an abusive spouse. Verse 9. We're submitting ourselves to our heavenly Father who's holy. And so Jesus is teaching us. Submit to trust him, to trust his will. I mean, think about the exhaustion of our day. Remember Roberto talked to us, Matthew 11, come to me, come to Jesus, and you will find rest. I mean, Many of the reasons that we're exhausted is because our will and our kingdom isn't being accomplished. I mean, that, that, that's a lot of the reason why we're, we're exhausted. Like we're losing sleep at night because our will and our kingdom isn't being. And so Jesus is teaching us in prayer, like take time to turn from your will and your kingdom to trust his will in his kingdom, right? From, from, from my reign to his reign, right? From my future, my house, my chores, my, my 401k, my little kingdom, my little world, and turn from that, and we'll trust his kingdom, right? His future, his will, his plans, his reign. Right, he's teaching us to incorporate submission into our prayer life. Look at verse 11 as he keeps going. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So first we have adoration, then we have submission, and in verse 11 we see trust, right? Trusting our daily bread, his daily provision and protection in our life. Trust is similar to submission, but it's, it's more specific, like submission is just general. 
It's abstract. It's his kingdom, right? It's very abstract, his kingdom. Daily bread is, is very specific. Like it's, it's spiritual language of dependency. Daily bread. It's spiritual language of Israel. It's from Exodus in the Old Testament. Right? And they're wandering in the wilderness and they're trusting in the Lord's manna from heaven. His daily bread. That's what Jesus is teaching us in our prayer life that we want to incorporate where I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust your provision in my life today. Listen, I got to tell you, that's very difficult for me. Like, I am by, like, nature, future casting all the time. I love to live in the future. I mean, most of the time, I'm like in 2026. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, I wake up thinking about that. I mean, you see our devotional? I've planned our sermons out 15 months in advance. I don't have to try to do that. I just naturally like to think that way. My wife, I drive her crazy. I'm just like, what do you think about when our kids are 40? You know, so I'm, I'm thinking, these are things I'm thinking. I just, I, nat- I think about that in our church family of just like, well, what are we going to do? When th- I mean, sometimes our elders have to push back on me and they're like, Michael, is that a problem today? Or is that like something that's coming, right? And so this passage, like these words, they push in on me. Like, hey, like stop Stop future casting and start working on problems that aren't even there. Like trust in the Lord today. Like his provision today. This is so hard for me. Because even as a culture, like our media is pushing future casting on us all the time. I mean, have you noticed? Like aren't you terrified that World War III is about to happen? Like the world's about to fall apart? Is it today? Well, no, not today, but any minute now. Like if this person becomes president, democracy is at stake. Like, ah, it's terrifying. Civil war, economy. Like that, like it's, our culture just naturally pushes us. And God's word says today, daily bread. Like trust in him today. These next 16 hours. Like these next 16 hours, like how can I be in awe of his glory, just adoration, his characteristics and how massive and glorious he is. What can he teach me today? How can I trust in his kingdom and not my kingdom today? Like daily bread, God's word is teaching us. Trust in him today. Look at verse 12. It keeps going. He says, and forgive us our debts. And we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. First we have adoration, then submission, and then trust. And now in verse 12 we see the word confession. Confession is agreeing with the previous verses. Confession is agreeing with our Heavenly Father in prayer that I don't really want to live for His kingdom, I want to live for my kingdom. That's what confession is, right? I don't really want your will. I want my will. That's what, that's what confession is, right? Confessing like, ah, oh, like I'm frustrated, Lord, that, that, that these things are happening. I want these things uh, to happen. Like, the Bible calls it sin, right? It's sin. Right? When, when we don't want our Heavenly Father to be holy, we want to be holy. We want to be glorious. It's 
it's called sin. Like I, I know it's not popular today. You don't, you don't grow a church, right, talking about sin. Nobody wants to hear they're a sinner. But unfortunately, God's word teaches us that we're, we're sinful, right, that we've fallen short of, of his glory. And, and the good news is in verse 12 is that Jesus has come to bring forgiveness for our sin. Praise God, right? Praise God. I know it's really popular right now for, for, for people who don't, they don't want really to talk about our sin. We, people like, they want to talk about like Jesus. Jesus is loving. That's very popular. Jesus is against poverty. Like that's very popular. It's, it's a phrase like today called social gospel. It's like it's in all over social media. They don't, let's not talk about the cross. We don't want to talk about the resurrection. Let's talk about how that Jesus is loving, that he's against poverty, that he's against oppression, and he is all those things. But one thing that you will never hear from those people is how does the holiness of God reconcile itself with the sinfulness of humanity? Does that make sense? They never answer that question. They never want to talk about that because they don't have an answer for that. Because what, like, Jesus has taught us, hallowed be your name, that he is holy. And so just practically, like, how does the holiness of God draw near to the brokenness of humanity? Like, we all know, like, that we're not holy. We know we fall short. And so how does that happen practically? Like, does our Heavenly Father just kind of wink at our, all our offenses? Like, does he see, like, our murder and rape and jealousy and gluttony and pride and anger and sexual immorality? And does he just kind of, like, rub us over the head? You little stinkers. Like, get over here. Like, does he just like, ah, that's cute. It's so cute how humanity just rages hatred against each other over and over. Like, there's never an answer. Like, what, what does... The holiness of, like, how does that work itself out practically, right? It's not the social gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel is that our Heavenly Father sends His Son to enter into human history. That's called Christmas. (laughs) Jesus is born, God in the flesh, and He lives a perfect life. And He then willingly takes our sin at the cross. It's not His sin. Like he's perfect in every way, but he stands in our place at the cross. He becomes our substitute, right? He takes our debt. He doesn't have any debt. He takes our debt upon himself at the cross to the point of death. Now listen, if it just stopped there, that's just a nice gesture. He died for us at the cross. That's great, but it doesn't. Three days later... He resurrects from the dead. Like, that's the gospel. When Jesus resurrects from the dead, he conquers death, right? When he resurrects from the dead, he removes the sting of death. In that moment, he, Jesus, provides a way for us to come home, right? To be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. In that moment, when he resurrects from the dead, he provides a means of forgiveness, right? to be forgiven of our debt. In that moment, when we trust in Jesus, he clothes us in his righteousness. 
so that we who are in Christ can be reconciled with the holiness of our heavenly Father. That's the gospel. Like, that's the gospel. Like, absolutely, Jesus cares about oppression and poverty, and he is very loving. But the glory of Jesus is that he has provided a way for his creation to be reconciled, to come home. That's the gospel. Listen, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you need to do that right now. Just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe that he is the one who clothes you in his righteousness. We'll have people at the back. You can come talk to me. But make that decision today. And especially when we pray. Like no matter if they're short prayers, long prayers, on a walk prayers, you're not alone. You're with the body of Christ. You're in awe of God's glory. You're submitting your heart to his heart. And you're remembering the gospel. You're remembering all that you've been given in Christ. You're remembering that you've been reconciled with your heavenly Father, not because of you, but because of him. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13, Jesus says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So first, we got adoration, submission, trust, confession. And then in verse 13, we see the word protection. We don't see that word. That's what I call it. I call it protection. We see the prayer to not be led into into sin, right? To, To be delivered from the evil one. We touched on this in Matthew chapter 4, right? That we have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, right? We have an enemy that whispers lies into our ears to live for our kingdom, to fight for our will, to ignore the holiness of God, to trust in ourself, right? He's a schemer, right? In 1 Peter, the apostle Peter writes that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour So Jesus is teaching us, when you pray, remember. Remember the enemy. Remember there's an evil one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Remember that we've been delivered from him so that we don't need to be afraid, but we do need to be on guard. So that when we're praying, that we would take time to to ask our Heavenly Father, what temptations are going to come before me today? I'm going to work with these people today. I'm going to travel to this destination today. I'm going to take on these challenges today. I'm going to have this conflict to to navigate today. What temptations are going to cross my path? I mean, yes, that we would be on guard. Where am I going to be vulnerable? What are my thoughts on this day that are not going to be consistent with God's word, with his will and his kingdom? Where am I going to be tempted to trust in myself? Where's the evil one going to bait me and distract me? Listen, our time in prayer, it's not just us having a conversation with our Heavenly Father, but it's him also having a conversation with us. Does that make sense? We're not just talking to him. He's talking to us. I don't know about you. I've never heard an audible voice from my Heavenly Father, but he absolutely speaks to me in prayer. Like He speaks to me through scriptures that he'll bring to mind. He speaks to me by the people 
that he brings to mind, by the, the temptations that might cross my path. He's speaking to me in those moments where there's confusion and he's bringing clarity. He, he does that in prayer. I'll bow my head in prayer and I'm confused. And then it's in prayer that he's speaking to me and it's like a light bulb. Like not all the time, but like he speaks, he speaks to us in prayer. And especially around the realm of protection. He wants to speak to us about where we might get lulled into traps, right? Where we can see the, the handiwork of the enemy at a distance and say, not today, not today, evil one, right? Where we can see sin crouching at our door and say, not today, I see you, I see your schemes. He wants to speak to us through prayer. He wants to help us to be girded and protected and ready. Won't you incorporate these elements into your prayer life, church family? Adoration, submission, trust, confession, protection. Right? That, we would, that we would be growing in our prayers. Right now our church family is, is wanting to increase in prayer. You see these cards on your chair, the, the middle QR code, right? It's a way for our church family to make a commitment to want to increase in prayer. Well, what does that mean? I mean, it means more. Like whatever, whatever it is, wherever prayer is in your spiritual development, that the Lord would grow us and deepen us in our prayer life. We have about 16 people that have made the commitment to do this in our church family, but our, our desire as elders is that our whole church family would want to increase in prayer. So please, go to that QR, make that, that commitment, because our end goal is that we be emboldened in our faith. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens, and prayer is definitely a part of it. I mean, the more I'm talking to my Heavenly Father, the more likely I am to be more confident in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? Look at verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive others... For their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So the prayer ends, and Jesus circles back to forgiveness. So that verses 14 and 15 could sound like, well, if I don't forgive somebody, then my heavenly Father won't forgive me. It kind of reads like that a little bit, right? right but there's, there's no way it could be saying that because that would be inconsistent with all of God's word, right? So the verses 14 and 15 are not so much a reflection of our heavenly Father's heart, but a reflection of, of our heart, right? Because Jesus knows uh, how, how easy it is for us to withhold forgiveness from one another. And so he circles back to it in verses 14. He's already talked about forgiving others, but he's like, we probably should talk about this again, right? Because he knows we're sinners, so he knows we're going to hurt one another. We're going to say the wrong thing and not make that phone call. And sometimes we're not even trying to hurt one another, and we're going to hurt one another. And then, and then when we do hurt one another, he knows how easy it is to withhold that forgiveness from other people. And so in verses 14 and 15, he's lifting our eyes up. He's like, look at all that you've received. Look at the forgiveness Look at the chasm of offenses that we've committed in our sin against our Heavenly Father. It's, it's more than we can imagine, and yet there's been forgiveness through faith in Jesus. 
I mean, is there, is there any person that's, that's committed more offenses against us than the offenses that we've committed against our Heavenly Father? That's what he's getting at. And so forgive. Look at all that you've received in Christ. Don't, don't withhold that forgiveness. Don't harbor up bitterness. Listen, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, I don't know about you. When people hurt me, like it's not, it's not always easy. And God's word is teaching us to extend, extend that forgiveness, the same forgiveness we receive from Christ. It doesn't mean we need to be a doormat. And verses 14 and 15 don't mean like, well, because I'm a follower of Jesus, people just get to run over me. And when they do, I mean, like, well, I got to forgive you. And you, know, you just keep running over me just over and over. No, like, absolutely. There's, there's times we want to set up boundaries. Uh, you know, when we hurt one another, it doesn't mean you just have, you know, free, free uh, pass card to continue to hurt me. Like, sometimes we need to set up some boundaries. Sometimes we're like, no, okay, this far. You, I, I mean, I'm going to try to guard that. Sometimes we need to have hard conversations. Just like, hey, what happens? Not okay. Right? It, it, absolutely. Sometimes there's, there's some lines that need to be drawn so that those offenses don't continue to happen in our life. But Jesus is teaching us in verse 14 and 15 that when they do happen, we extend forgiveness. We don't hang on to it. This is hard for me sometimes because I believe that lie. Right? The enemy whispers into my ear that, like, well, if I, if I forgive, then it might mean that it was okay what they did. And so I have this weird idea that by hanging on to the offenses of others, it's almost like a reminder to me that they'll never do that again, right? And that's not hurting them. That's hurting me. It's like a reminder of just like, it's, it's a way for me to seek my own justice. Of just like, I'm going to withhold forgiveness so as to punish those people. That's my form of justice. And Jesus is pointing us in verses 14 and 15. Justice has already been provided at the cross for our offenses and the offenses that others have committed against us. So forgive. Won't you respond to that this morning, church family? We're going to end our time in communion. And so I want to invite the worship team back to the stage. I want to invite our elders to come forward to celebrate communion. If we can, let's just lower the lights. Communion is a... It's a meal with the body of Christ. It's communal. Right? You're not alone. You're in the body of Christ. And the cracker, that's a reminder of Jesus' body that's been broken at the cross. And the juice is a reminder of the blood that's been poured out. And so if you've yet to trust in Jesus, then we ask you to hold off on celebrating communion. But if you have, then we ask you to come forward. And so before you come forward, I want to ask us all to stand.
before we celebrate communion, I want to ask us to go through the Lord's Prayer together. I want to give you a few seconds on your own just to talk to your Heavenly Father. Talk about what He's put on your heart. Talk about where He's encouraged you, where He's challenged you. And then I'd like us to read the Lord's Prayer together as a church family. And so take a few minutes now, just on your own. church family let's read our Lord's Prayer together I want you to say it loud it's on the screen we'll go slow now start pray then in this way say it loud with me church family our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have been forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You come forward as you feel led.